Good morning, church. It's good to be with you this morning. If you haven't met you yet, I'm Pastor Brant. I'm one of the pastors here, like I said, on video. Um, I suspect uh, most of you have heard uh, Dan Monti has finally experienced total and ultimate healing. He's departed this world and has gone to live in his forever home with Jesus. And so please be in prayer for Kathy and the Monti family. Um, there will be a celebration of Dan's life here at the church uh, this Tuesday at noon, August 29th at noon. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer if you would be willing to make a cake for the luncheon. We suspect that it'll be uh, quite a, a busy and full funeral, and so we would just love to be able to host as many guests as possible. So if you could help out with that, there's a sign-up sheet to make some cakes as well. Before we get into the Word today, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we approach you, and we approach your Word, and we approach your throne with a heart of gratitude that Jesus has made a way that we can access you and be made right with you. And so we pray this morning that you would speak to us. Lord, we, we don't want to approach this as consumers just hoping to be entertained. God, I pray that as we interact with your word this morning, it would be less about information and more about transformation. God, give us a heart attitude to take action on what you say to us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Do you know the difference between the white light that is shining on me and a laser light? The difference is focus. I actually learned this from Mrs. Cleborn when I was in high school. One of my favorite classes, to be honest. And so if I took 60 watts of white light and I took 60 watts of laser light, there is a large difference in the effect 60 watts of white light is going to cut through one thing and one thing only, darkness. 60 watts of laser light is used to engrave things. So you can cut through maybe a half-inch block of wood or some acrylic plastic, for example. The difference is not necessarily in the power available to the light bulb or the light source. The difference is the direction and focus of the wavelengths of light. So white light, for example, emits every wavelength, every color, and it emits light in every direction. That's why we're able to see what we're able to see this morning. Laser light, however, emits one color, it emits one wavelength of light. Not only is it all focused in the same direction, but it's in the same frequency and wavelength, so it's traveling together. So when that, white, or that laser light penetrates the, the surface that it's trying to cut through, it's all working in the same direction at the same time in the same way. It's focused. Now, I don't know if you're like me at all, but there are times in my life that I feel a lot more like the white light. I feel like I'm going here, and I feel like I'm going here, and I'm giving this kind of energy over here, but a different kind of energy over here, and I've got a lot of different wavelengths going in a lot of different directions. But here's the thing that I know about you. And I know this about me, and I know this about every person on the planet. God made you for a reason. God gave you a purpose. You were designed the way that you were designed for a specific reason. In other words, you've been called by God. And yet, if we're ever going to achieve that calling, accomplish that calling, live up to the purpose that God made us for, if we're ever going to be able to live up to that, there's a lot of 
no's we're going to have to say in order to say yes to that thing. In other words, we're going to have to be focused like a laser light and not so distracted in our lives like white light. In fact, I would like to submit the question this, like what is the gap between our destiny, you know, the thing that God has called us to, the purpose that we were made for, the potential that we could live up to today, the destiny that you could be living in today, and where you actually find yourself today. What is the gap between those two things? What God made you for and how you could live up to your destiny today and where you actually find yourself right now. I would submit to you that the the distance between your destiny and where you are actually at today is the degree to which you're distracted. The degree to which I'm distracted. The distance between our destiny and our today is our degree of distraction. I think we miss out on experiencing everything that God has called us to be because we lack a sense of focus on the thing that God has specifically called us towards. Whether we don't know what it is, whether we... We have a low view of what it is, and so we've got all these things going on, and yeah, it's one of those additions, but what winds up happening is we can get easily distracted, and when we do, we can get discouraged, and then we wind up giving up. The attention and our efforts of our life get pulled in a lot of different directions, and we get distracted. As I'm thinking about this tendency that we all have to get distracted in our lives, distracted away from the thing that God has called us to, it does bring me back to the passage of Scripture we find ourselves in in the book of Judges. We've been going through a series in Judges called God to the Rescue. And last week, Pastor Jeff started by preaching about the first half of Samson's life, Judges chapter 13 and 14. I'm actually going to be preaching, continuing in that narrative today, Judges 15 and 16. But as I'm thinking about this propensity that we have to getting scattered in so many different directions in our lives it does remind me a lot of how Samson lived his life. You know, Samson started his life with this moment of dedication where God came to him, revealed to to Samson's dad and mom what Samson's life was supposed to be like. But by the time we pick up with Samson again later in his life, he has moved so far away from what God has called him to be. He has missed out on so much of what God has called him to do because of the degree to which he was distracted. We we see him in chapter 13 dedicated to God, set apart for the purposes and the calling of God. But what I want to read with you this morning is a glimpse into his life of where he actually wind up getting to. Alright, so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 1. And if you can, I would invite you to join me as we read this together. We're going to stand up together and read Judges chapter 16, 1 through 5. Judges 16, 1 through 5 starts like this. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept themselves quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. 
But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Some time later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Well done. Good, great reading. You guys can have a seat. This morning I want to tell you Samson's story. But not from his perspective. And not even from our perspective as we read the text. This morning I want to tell you Samson's story from his father's perspective as he reflects on in the first scene, the future and the destiny that Samson has before him. And then on in the second scene, a reflection on Samson's life after he has died. Oh, good morning. Hello, my name is Manoa of the tribe of Dan. Welcome to our sleepy little town here in Zora. You know, it's, it's strange that you're here this morning because we don't usually get visitors or sojourners in this tiny little town. In fact, if I remember right, it's been almost a decade since we've had a visitor. The last time we were visited by a sojourner was when the angel came. Oh, yeah, the angel. You didn't hear about that? Just over eight years ago, an angel visited our our tiny town of Zora. Oh, and I he I was so excited because he he visited my wife first and it was such a blessing to her. You know, she's been barren for all of her life, childless. And she's carried the shame of the inability to bear a child everywhere she goes in the town and when we go to the marketplace, we you hear people talking. Well, when we go to the holy feasts in Jerusalem, you hear people wondering if we've not been faithful enough. And as we travel throughout our lives, she has carried this burden, and and so I was so happy when the angel came to visit her and told her that we would have a child, and not just a child, a son to bear our name. And as he visited me out in the field, he told me something very special about this child, that, that he would be unique. He'd be set apart to bring deliverance and rescue to our people. Oh, we're slaves now. We've been oppressed by the Philistines for many years. In fact, our tribe of Dan gets it the worst because we're located the closest to the Philistines. But God has been faithful to promise us a deliverer. In fact, you're just at the right time. We're about to sit down with our son. It's about his eighth birthday. And we want to explain to him the great destiny God has given to him. In four years, he will become a man. And we want him to know the dedication that we've raised him with so that he can live a life fully devoted to God. So come on in. Oh, Samson, don't eat that. Not just yet. 
you have honored guests here. You want to be on your best behavior for them. And not just for them, but for the rest of your life. Samson, you know this, but you're a very special boy. And, and your mother and I have been waiting until just this moment to tell you about this. We wanted you to be of an age where you understood what you were doing, but also early enough in your life where you could commit to this for the rest of your life. Samson, we want to tell you about the special way in which you have been brought to us by God. See, before you were even born, an angel, I know, I know, an angel came and told us that you were going to be given to us and and that you would have a very special life. Before I tell you what that is, I just want you to know this is because God has called you to something very special. He set you apart to be the hero that our nation has been needing for so long. God has called you to deliver his people. But in order to live up to that, Samson, God has called you to be set apart and live in a special and unique way. You, you uh, have been dedicated to God. And as such, what that means is you're going to have to live a life that is unique and special, and, and so you won't be able to drink any wine or strong drink. You won't be able to eat anything unclean for the rest of your life. And, well, you may have noticed this one by now, but you can't cut your hair, ever. Now, Samson, I realize that some of these things will be hard to live up to, but please know that God has a special place for you in the history of our people, God has called you to be a very great hero. So before you commit to that life, Samson, do you promise to live up to this great and high calling that God has given you? Okay, good. I love you, son. Now go help your mother with your chores. I thank you all for coming to the funeral of my late son, Samson. Oh, and hello to you. I thank you for joining us on this somber occasion. If I remember right, it was not quite my son's eighth birthday when we last had the chance to commune. Oh, how much joy we shared in that moment. And certainly life has given us joyful moments since then, but so much more has caused us grief. Our son, Samson, we named him that because he was supposed to be like the brightness of the sun. That's what his name means. He was called to be a light to our people, Israel. He was called to expose the darkness in our own hearts and to rid us from the darkness in our land. 
but he has done just the opposite. Like our nation, he has just done what has been right in his own eyes. He's been drawn away by so, so many distractions. There was this one time where he had worked a full week with me and he took the weekend off to go to the Philistine town of Timnah. And when he came back from that weekend, all he could talk about was this one girl. He, he was smitten, so in love. He could talk about nothing else. And I tried to convince him to look with interest among the Israelite women, the people of God. But he had turned his eyes away and was so distracted. In fact, he went there another time demanding that I, that I arrange a marriage for him. And I tried to talk him out of this. But I didn't. I suppose I didn't want to lose my son. I kind of felt pressured into it or something. He got distracted again and, and he ran away. And when he came back for his wife, she had already moved on to another man. Her father had given her hand in marriage again to someone else. And oh, he flew into a fit of rage. He was like that, you know. He was very hot-tempered. He went and burned just crops upon crops of the Philistines. When he was done with his pyromaniac joyriding, the Philistines were understandably furious with him. They were seeking any way that they could take him down. And eventually, they discovered the secret of his weakness. Oh, they saw it every time he was in the market flirting with another woman. They saw it every time he smelled a certain perfume on a certain street. And they eventually realized he could easily be distracted and destroyed. Oh, there was another time he flew into a fit of rage after... So many Philistines had come after him to attack him. I think he told me there was something around a thousand Philistines he killed. I mean, he said he killed them with a jawbone or something. He was always pretending to be strong. I suppose he probably did. Oh, my Samson. He went off another time to visit a prostitute in Gath, the capital of the Philistine city. and Oh, it became fairly apparent that the Philistines began, oh, cooking up some kind of plan to take my son down. I could sense it as his father. So when he fell in love with another woman, they decided to strike. Her name was Delilah. I'll never forget that name. It sounded just like our Hebrew word for the darkness of the night. 
Oh, she was everything he wasn't. He was born to be the brightness of the sun, and and yet she extinguished the light inside of him. She was the darkness of the night. And so when he gave his love to her, they got to her first. They paid her off to figure out how he was so strong and how they could take him down. And as I feared, in growing concern over the course of his life, I feared this, and it eventually became true, that my son was drawn away from the darkness, drawn away by the, the, the problem he was born to defeat. Distraction. Distraction will draw you away from your destiny. See, Samson's destiny was to be holy before God, set apart for a great purpose. But the distractions of his own selfish delusions drew him away from his destiny. In fact, one of the things that really stands out as you dig into the story of Samson and Delilah is the irony of his love for her, right? She was everything he wasn't. His name referred to the brightness of the sun and her name referred to the darkness of the night. He was supposed to be a light to God's people, but he was lost in darkness because he was so distracted. He had lost sight of the thing that God had called him to. You know, each one of you, each one of us, has a great destiny that God has called us to, that that has been ordained by God from before the foundations of the world. You were specifically called to something. And in your life, God has been speaking to you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you've been wired and gifted with the ability and the power to fulfill it. And there's tremendous blessings promised to those who fulfill their God given destiny and overcome the obstacles in the way. However, it's actually very possible to fall short of that, as we see in the life of Samson, to miss out on some of the blessings that could be yours and some of the good that could be done in this world and some of the glory that could be given to God when we cross the finish line of this life. See, some of us are distracted by worry. Some of us are distracted by just the pressures of the immediate the tyranny of the urgent. Some of us are distracted by the things that we love more than God. And what winds up happening is we come here and we sit here in church and we've been going through our lives. We're going to this thing, going to this thing, going to this thing, going to this thing. And church is just one addition to all of that. It is not the culmination and the celebration of the one thing that our lives is focused on, which is following God and living 100% committed to Him. No, no, sometimes what winds up happening is we get just so distracted that this is just an add-on that I like, man, when I feel like 
I'm out of shape, I'm going to go to the gym and, you know, just kind of hopefully use that. And I, when I feel like out of spiritual shape, I'm going to go to church and kind of use that as a way to get back into spiritual shape. But it's like, when I feel like it, I'll get to it. There's a big shift when you begin to say, no, 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 my entire life is characterized by me following Jesus. I've said a great yes to this one thing, and as a result, by default, other things get a no just because they're not in line with this yes. This gets first place on my calendar. This gets first place in my wallet. This gets first place in my priorities. And, and if something else happens to conflict with this, I'm sorry, but it's already got a default no because it does not get to replace the one single important yes that I've been dedicated to. And so sometimes we get distracted. We get pulled apart in so many different directions. And we, and we come here and we sit in church and maybe we sit in Sunday school classes or we sit in life groups or we, or we send our kids to youth group and we're like, what are we, just, what are we doing? Like this is just a part of my life. And, and, and if this is just part of your life, I'm sorry. It's like you can listen to better speakers. You can go to better concerts. Sometimes you can even find nicer people. Like if this is just an addition to your life, it's, it's different than when it's actually the celebration and the culmination and the gathering of the thing that defines your life. So we've got this great calling, this destiny that God has is putting before us to live up to. And yet distraction can draw us away from that. This is what happened with Samson. He had a very clear calling on his life. Something God had set him apart for. A unique empowering by the Holy Spirit. Um, and yet he was drawn away. And now... You might be asking this morning, okay, I, I hear what you're saying about the life of Samson. I see how that kind of pulled him apart in so many different ways. But, Brandon, if you're telling me that, like, growing my hair out is my next spiritual discipline, uh, if that's not the thing you're telling me, like, what, what's this all about here? What I want to do um, for the last few moments we have together is I want to leave you with three things. Three things that I believe are going to breathe life into you this season as you attempt to do great, do great things for God, as you attempt to live up to what God has called you to. And can I just warn you in advance, this will change your life. It's fun to talk about, you know, I want to change my life. It's not fun to actually do it. These three things will change your life. And, and, it, and I'll be honest, nothing's going to change if nothing's going to change. If I don't put in something different, I'm not going to get out something different. Amen? And, and so these three things will change your life, and I believe we learn these from the life of Samson, how you approach the season of your life, but also, in a greater scale, how you approach living for God. If you want to be all in, committed to following God, and living your life fully devoted to Him, I want to encourage you with these three things. Number one, you're going to mark the moment, okay? You're going to mark the moment. If you notice, early on in chapter 13, Samson's life was characterized right at the beginning by a moment of dedication. 
Because your destiny is activated by your dedication. It's one thing to kind of grow up around Christianity. It's one thing to kind of have Christian vibes in your home. It's one thing to like wear Christian t-shirts or a cross around your neck. It's another thing to say to God, from here on, I'm yours. I'll never forget the moment that I did that in my life. I was actually over here by Walloon Lake. I was 16 years old, and I said, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'm all yours. Take me wherever you want. I will go to the ends of the world for you, God. And he's like, cool. I, I want you right here in Walloon Lake. My mom actually, I don't know if it was a prophecy or necessarily, but I was like, Mom, I'm going to be a missionary for God. I'm going to go around the ends of the world, and I'm going to do all these great things for God. She's like, hey, why don't you start here in Walloon Lake? Why don't you, right across the street, go tell that guy about Jesus. I was like, Mom, don't kill my dreams. <laughs> here I am. But you're going to mark the moment to say, August 20th, 2023, no longer am I living for myself. God, I promise, this is, this is all for you now. And I'm going to give my life to you, God. Christianity is not a when I feel like it sport. It's not a sport, but this is a faith that has said goodbye to everything that holds you back and strains forward to everything that draws you closer to God. Those select few things that helps you know Him better and empowers you to live for His kingdom. And it all starts when you make a decision. Knowing and following God, hear me on this, it's a one-way ticket. Okay? Living for Jesus is not a two-way ticket. Like, I'm over here in live for Jesus land, and then I'm traveling back to live for me country. Like, this is a one-way ticket. I've, I'm, I'm an expatriate now to the land of selfishness. And I'm fully committed. I'm a new citizen. I'm a heavenly citizen. Mark the moment. Don't go back. Burn the bridges. This is a one-way ticket. Your destiny will be activated by your dedication. And this is what set Samson apart, was this moment of dedication early on in his life when God came to visit them and they said, we will raise him for you to be wholly devoted to you. You know, many of you, for example, have done this. You've been baptized, which is a great way to do this, right? It's a public statement about saying... I am going to mark the moment, I'm renouncing the things that this world loves, and I'm fully devoted to Jesus and his ways. So, so if God's called you to something, or if you sense him speaking to you, or you sense him leading in your life, please don't just hope you get to it one day. Either it's one day, or it's day one. Mark the moment, this is, this is day one of the rest of the, the life I have to live to dedicate myself to God. Distraction will draw you away from your destiny, but your destiny is activated by your dedication. Mark the moment with a moment of dedication. But let me say this, number two, mar marking the moment is just the first step. It's not enough, because if you'll notice what happened in Samson's life, he was not devoted. He was dedicated, but he was not devoted. And he wound up being drawn away by distraction anyways, because he was undevoted. If anything, he was devoted to his own selfish pleasures. And so um, he was never committed to taking action for God. At least for the majority of his life. 
And so this is the second thing I would say. Number one, mark the moment. But number two, arm yourself for action. Arm yourself for action. Like I said, nothing's going to change if nothing's going to change. We're called to be all in for Jesus, living for Him in every area of our lives. And so if we're going to live up to that destiny, it's going to be actuated through our devotion. Yes, your destiny is activated by your dedication, but it's actuated in your life by your devotion. Okay? It's when I'm devoted to something. Devotion is not, I, I just want God more than I used to want Him. That's like good vibes. That's, that's a good feeling from church. That, maybe that's hope, but that's not devotion. Okay? Devotion takes action for God. I'm devoted. Literally, the way that the word devoted is used in the Old Testament is a sense of completely committing it to God. Whether it's I've committed my life to God or I've committed this thing to destruction because it's opposed to God. Okay, Jericho, when it was just flattened, it was devoted to God. Ai, when it was burned to the ground, it was devoted to God. Samson did not devote his life to God, did not offer it up to God. So you're going to arm yourself for action because your destiny is actuated through your devotion. And we, we get a, a what not to do lesson in Samson's life. Right, he had a dedication, but he wasn't devoted. He did what was right in his own eyes. See, devotion looks like when you started saying no to those commitments and those passions and those pursuits that were not propelling you closer to God. Because the, the key is not to stop wanting worldly things. It's actually when you take action by only focusing and keeping your time and effort and attention available to God and His kingdom. And in fact, you're going to have to start saying no to not only bad things, but there's going to be some good things that actually rival your attention to the Lord. You might have to say no to the good things so you can say yes to the God things. This is the exact opposite of what Samson did. Samson is not someone to live like. He was so distracted, and here's the reality. We get distracted a lot, don't we? Whether it's our families or our friends or our extracurricular commitments um, or our jobs or our busyness. Maybe it's even serving here in church. It's easy to be defined by that. Let me say it this way. I get that every boss, coach, teacher, band instructor in the world is, is going to want you to be devoted to everything that they put out there. I get that. I've had coaches like that. I've had bosses like that. I've had teachers like that. Um, but when you allow that person to have precedence in your life over your commitment to God, you're going way past just being a nice person or a good teammate or a good employee. You're actually now putting your interest in that thing or, or your insecurities about what everybody else thinks about you. You're putting that over God. And when you're putting your interest in that activity above God, it's actually called idolatry. Like you're not actually worshiping God. You're not devoted to God. In fact, you're actually the opposite. You're devoted and you're worshiping something else. That's, that's the opposite of devotion. Now, here's the thing. I didn't even mention anything sinful in that list. Okay? I'm not talking necessarily even to the extreme to which Samson got, which you know, violence and prostitution and all that kind of thing. 
but can you begin to notice how subtle the shift is to start to prioritize things over God? Before long, he's unnecessary to this generation. When you start to just use God as an option rather than the total thing about your life, he just becomes unnecessary. And here's what happens. When he becomes unnecessary in one generation, he becomes irrelevant to the next. And when he's irrelevant in that generation, he becomes opposed in the next. You are probably seeing that in our country right now. Let's be the change. Amen? Let's be the people for whom God is not an unnecessary option. Like, what are you telling your kids when you wake up and you go, oh, we've got a band thing and we've got church, or we've got a sports thing and we've got church. You're telling them that God's just on the same level. He's an option. You make your kid go to school regardless of whether he wants to. You make your kid go to the job because he's committed to it. You make your kid go to sports and then you give them the option of whether they want to go to church. Where does God fit on your priority list? Sorry, I've just been wanting to tell some parents that. I'm not making you saying this to make you feel awful about working on Sundays. Like, my boss makes me work on Sundays too. Here's the thing, I think... I'm just saying this because I think there's way more in our control than we'd like to admit. And many people want to say they love God, but they don't do much about it. Your destiny is actuated by your devotion. You've got to arm yourself for action. What are you going to do about this? Where you're devoted, your worship is noted. Number three, I want to encourage you with this. Follow through with faith. Because there's going to come a point, like... Your moment of dedication is one thing. You need to draw a line in the sand. You need to say, I'm done with that. I'm starting new. You also need to be devoted. But in your own power, you will run out of strength. You will make the wrong choice. You will make mistakes. You will give yourself to other things, whether on accident or because your, your, your motivation is fading. Because we're human, we do this. And you can't follow through all the way to the end of your life on your own. You need to be empowered by the Lord. Amen? And so when you are saying, I've committed myself to you, Lord, you need to fully depend on Jesus because there will be days, there will be months, there will be whole seasons of your life where he's the one carrying you all the way through and you're doing nothing because you have no more strength. He'll raise you up and strengthen you, and you're like, let's do this, God. And then the other times you're like, I can't. And he's like, okay, I got you. Your destiny will be accomplished by your dependence, your dependence on Jesus. So so here's what I want you to do. You're going to follow through with faith. This is the beautiful thing about the story of Samson, is it's not just contained here in Judges. Oh, I love this about the Bible. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Now, we, we've just, as you're turning there, Hebrews 11, if you've read it before, it's a wonderful chapter. You get just inspired by the faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses and, and so on and so forth. And you're like, all these wonderful heroes of the faith. And you get to verse 32, Hebrews 11, 32, and he goes, what else can I say? What more do I need to say? It would take me too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, 
what's that guy doing here? Samson, David, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them, they shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flame of the sword, escaped death by the edge of the sword, their weakness turned to strength, they became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. I mean, like, what? I get that he didn't like the Philistines, but, like, he fought them by faith? I don't get that feeling when I read his story in Judges, but somehow the Bible attributes faith to Samson. And you know what that means? That even when his calling was stalling, by one act of faith, God was able to use Samson to accomplish his perfect will and rescue his people. And here's the thing, he can do that through you. He can do that through me. He can, he can do that through us. When we follow through with faith, God begins to work in and through us this is how we overcome. God is going to work in your life. And if you keep reading past these examples in Hebrews 11, you begin to realize, it's not these guys that I'm modeling my life after. They were looking forward to something too. Look at verse 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, that they would not reach perfection without us. Therefore, because of everything he just said, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, like Samson. Let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, and it has that idea of, of, of looking away from everything else and focusing singularly on one object. We do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. When you live devoted and dedicated and dependent on Jesus, your life is going to have a great impact for God's kingdom. And you're going to experience him fully in your life. By keeping your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and following all the way through with faith, depending on him in every season of your life, you can fulfill your God-given destiny. You're going to live up to everything that God has called you to. The Holy Spirit living inside you and living inside of us as a body is empowering us to live up to this. So don't forget, distraction will draw us away from our destiny, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to mark the moment. Okay? As we dedicate our whole lives to God, we're going to mark the moment. Maybe some of y'all need to write this down. You're like, August 20th, 2023, is the beginning of the rest of my life. This is day one. I'm not going to get to it one day. This is day one. And, and then you're going to devote your time and energy and attention to the things of God. So we're going to arm ourselves for action. We're not just like showing up to church on Sunday, check the box, this is what our Christianity consists of. No, no, no. We're going to do things to live out the love of Jesus every single day in our lives. We're going to be a testament to this world of the goodness and the greatness of God. We're going to be obedient and holy and set apart to God because we believe He's great. And we're going to be loving and generous because we believe God is so good to us that I can just give it away and He's going to be continually generous to me this is how people know. And here's the thing. Christians, unfortunately, in this culture, don't have that much of a reputation for being fully submitted to obeying God and every one of His commands. I think the reputation is that we kind of take them lightly and we pick and choose what we want to obey. 
pick and choose the fights that we want to have. And we're not that generous. We're kind of stingy. Quick tip, pardon the puns. Tip your waiter on Sundays. You like that one. Uh, Seriously, the one shift of the entire week that every waitress and every waiter always wants to avoid is the Sunday after church crowd. Why? Because we tip Bible tracts and not actual money, and they can't pay for food with that. We're not going to be stingy people. We serve a generous God. We serve a good God. And a great way to tell the world that he's good is that we actually just arm ourselves for action and we live based on that. We're going to be people who are fully devoted to God and fully devoted to living for him. So mark the moment. Arm yourself for action and follow through with faith. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but maybe you've been sensing something stirring in you and you're feeling God calling you and pulling you. Today's a good day to to put your trust and your faith in Him. Maybe today is the day that you say, "I'm, I'm done living for myself. It's not really working that well. I keep getting distracted by the things of this world. But today I'm going to give my faith and my trust to Jesus. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? He, he died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. He rose from the dead to give you new life. And if you confess him as Lord and you submit your life to him, the Bible says you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from having to pay for that sin your own. Saved from having to pay an eternal debt that you owe to God for all of eternity. The Bible says you'll be saved from the penalty of your sin and to a relationship with God. You'll have access to God. You can be made right with God. You can be forgiven if you put your faith and trust in Jesus today. Mark the moment. Arm yourself for action. And follow through with faith. Live fully dependent on Jesus. Distractions are everywhere. They're everywhere. But like a laser, when we channel our attention in one direction, the impact actually becomes very powerful. When God works in your life, And when you rely on him every single day, this is when you reap a great blessing and he gets great glory through our lives. Let's be those people. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for your word that speaks to us so powerfully and vividly in so many unique ways. Like the story of Samson, Lord, we we pray that we would be the righteous contrast to Samson, the one who was called to be the bright light for the world and for his nation, but was distracted by the darkness, we pray, Lord, that we would be the ones who shine a great light, the light of Jesus to this world. Help us to be dedicated, devoted, and fully dependent on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.